Hello, everyone. As Nico here in Margin Action Podcast Cross Borders. Yes, I'm here today to, um, to introduce some fantastic talks, interviews. You're going to hear me, my voice on this podcast. So today I've got a special guest to introduce. But uh, before I do that, I just want to let you know, guys, this is the part one. If you enjoyed part one, keep an eye on part two. So you're going to hear now, uh, Ori Noimel is going to be talking to Dr. Daniel Four. really about so this is why it's very exciting for me to interview you for for the podcast and kind of with Nico present and bring that in um and I I did use a, a sort of a series of questions with people I interviewed before and I start with that but then we might kind of uh wing it a little bit um sure so uh the first question that I ask everyone is you know um how did you get to do what you do? And you can also share a little bit what you do. Um, uh, what brought you to do the work that you do today? Sure. Yeah, thank you for the trust and for inviting me to share a little bit. Uh, my, uh, let me introduce myself briefly just for context. My, you know, my name is Daniel Four, and I, I live in Western North Carolina in the United States. It's traditional Cherokee lands. And I'm here with my wife and our two daughters. And my ancestors of blood and body are early English and German settler colonialists in North America, uh, a little bit Irish, but we've been ancestrally on this continent for at least five to sometimes 10 generations. And I wasn't raised with any kind of context for religion or spirituality or relating with the earth or the ancestors or any of that. So I sought that out as a teenager in a, oh, not in a very organized way. I was using psychedelics and reading a bunch. And uh, I was fortunate to connect early in life with a framework for ritual and revival forms of shamanism and ceremony initially through my own European ancestors and paganism and things like that and then later through study with different intact systems uh, islam buddhism and then uh, some different indigenous systems i also happen to be an initiate in in yoruba traditions uh, is based in southwest nigeria and the lineage of Oluwafalu adesanya Woyade. and and so I've been a student of religion and spirituality. I also happen to be a doctor of psychology and a licensed psychotherapist. And so in the last 15, 20 years, that's looked like taking what I've been learning from my own training and my own process and helping others to also come back into connection with the earth where they're at, with the ancestors, with the larger web of relationships that we're embedded in. And that process of reconnection has been really super important and transformative and defining in my own life. There's nothing about my own culture of origin as a white guy from Ohio in the United States and nothing equipped me to be a really responsible earth citizen or to know how to relate with the dead or to, you know, see the other layers of reality. So I had to reclaim those frameworks and the, and that's difficult at times, but the good thing about it is that I, I know that it's possible to relearn those things uh, for anybody because I wasn't raised with them. 
So that's what I spend my time with is helping others to reclaim a kind of framework. And then that also leads into a lot of layers and implications for cultural healing. And how did we lose these frameworks to begin with? And what are the implications of re reclaiming them? What are the moral ethical implications of coming back into relationship, et cetera? So we could talk some about that perhaps, but in brief, that's something about my background and my journey. Yeah. That's great. Um, yeah, I, I have, you know, the, in, in your kind of ancestral medicine website and kind of in the work, there is certain terms like healing arts or ritual arts. And, and I wonder, you know, I, I know that you're not coming from a theater or an arts um, specific background, but how do you mm -hmm. see this healing arts, this ritual arts connected or not uh, with theater or arts as as we know or as we have known it for sure uh if i take ritual as a mm, how to say the, the most fundamental organizing thing for me is animist values is or animist ethics which is to say a relational ethic that decenters humans a bit and recognizes that we're embedded in a much wider field of relationships that include not just the ancestors, but the mountains and rivers and animals and plants and deities and stars and planets. And, and therefore, it's incumbent upon us to try to be ethical and conscious and a good relative in these relationships. And so that is a basic value set. And that's shared by a lot of people around the world, some of whom are indigenous, many of whom are not. And how do we re-inhabit those values in a creative and beautiful way. Ritual has a key role to play in that because a lot of times ritual is a way of either shifting our state of consciousness or calling upon those powers or facilitating some kind of communication between the humans and the others, whether they're deities, ancestors, the plant spirits, whoever. And we can communicate with them in a, in a regular state of consciousness. It doesn't have to be ritualized any more than we're having a a ritualized interaction over zoom right now but ritual whether it's elaborate or kind of basic often is about facilitating communion and connection with the others and attending to our own state while we're doing it i say ritual arts or, or at times healing arts because i do see it as a fundamentally creative process like cooking there are recipes right but there's also a lot of spontaneous improvisation. And if you don't study recipes at all, you're probably going to combine some things that really don't taste very good and you won't do it again. But if you, if you study recipes, if you study traditions here with the metaphor, then you'll learn some things that work because they've been tested over time. Like you could engage in theater and drama and performance arts without ever studying it. But if you do study it, then you're engaging the ancestral wisdom of all the other people who have been doing that for a long time. And so in that way, you have a kind of advantage, and hopefully it doesn't stifle your own spontaneous creativity too much. And so the intersection of ritual and, let's say, theater, it's not something I have a strong background in, but uh, there's a, a great deal of intersection overlap, of course. And part of that has to do with uh, the way in which ritual at times involves embodying and enacting different perspectives. 
And uh, like if I'm in uh, Nigeria and we're doing, or not in Nigeria, but participating in Yoruba tradition, uh, one of the things that will happen sometimes is, is possession from the deities, the incorporation or the embodiment of the powers of the deities. And so when that's happening and a, and, and a bigger force is speaking through you or as you, there are similarities to when someone is enacting a role or channeling a big energy through a spontaneous improvisational theater, right? And in that way, a lot of the origins of theater, I think, are in the sacred or in communal ritual technologies, right? And so folks involved in theater, for example, could learn from how ritualists do beginnings and endings. How do you actually invoke the power and enter into that state and surrender into it? And then when you're done, how do you step out of role so you don't spend the rest of the day in that energy? So there are um, a lot of practical tips that come from uh, relating with the deities over time or relating with the powers, whoever they are, that also apply in theater and different kinds of arts in that way but yeah there's a when i say arts i mean it's a conversation between intact traditions and also in the moment spontaneous um, creativity as well Hmm. yeah i i love that in the moment spontaneity and 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 this um vision of of that similar to a, a enactment especially in a spontaneous improvisation uh, my, my teacher one of my teachers of social presencing theater um uh, arawana hayashi she's she's trained as a japanese dance court dancing as well and uh, she she's she sometimes says you know in the job description to to enter that um troops sometimes is the job descriptions is being able to bring down the gods to earth. So that's, that's part of the job description. Um, yeah. One of the, another area of overlap that occurs to me is important to name is cultivating flexibility of consciousness. If you're going to enact someone else or and that someone may or may not be human, if you're going to in, embody the voice of the mountain or of the dead or of the land where you're at, whether it's in the context of theater or in the context of very somber multi-day ritual, as an individual, you need to have enough flexibility of consciousness to not uh, to, to get out of the way or to be in the passenger seat or to allow this thing that isn't you only to move through you and that that takes some some practice and it takes some um, grinding down or, or moving out of the the, th the places where we need to be in control and so that that flexibility and trust and ability to attune to another and let that force or whatever move through you i think that's something that uh, theater and ritual relational ritual have in common. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I have a couple more question, questions and then I, I might uh, give it to Nico to, to, to continue. Um, and I, I wanted to ask about bring out your dad and actually in general about the school that you created and the ancestral medicine. I know uh, that you have been just launching a new part of it. And I don't know exactly how much, how long it exists, but I would love to hear the story of how, how did it came to be um, what's, where do you see that, um, developing sure. and going? Yeah. Ancestor medicine for years was the name of my personal practice in healing arts from 2004 or five until around 2016. And at that point I began to train others in the ancestral lineage healing process that I had developed and been working with for over a decade. And in 2017, the book that I wrote, Ancestral Medicine, Rituals for Personal and Family Healing, came out. And so things expanded in the last five years to be more of a, an online school, or it's online now because of the pandemic, and, and a, um, a, a place for people to train in different kinds of uh, healing arts, especially ancestor and earth-focused. And the uh in in the scope of that or the intent is that our approach be international that it be rooted in cultural healing or an anti-supremacist uh ethic that that proactively is addressing legacies of racism and sexism and colonialism and the um the intent is to also share ritual technologies that are very pragmatic and can be used by people of different backgrounds and different ancestries. So I'm not trying to dictate anybody's style of ritual, but rather to say that there are some fundamentals and there are some very basic processes that if we take them to heart and we wrap them in the style of our own people and our own backgrounds can be really effective still. So in that way, I see myself as teaching fundamentals and helping people to reclaim a relationship in a safe way, in a ritually safe way with their own ancestors, with the land where they're at, and to bring that out in the world in, in a way that's of service. So we do, you know, we have six full-time staff, we do online courses, we have 70, almost 70 people in the, the network of practitioners. And so things have been growing uh, with the organization, which is encouraging. And um, about, again, what's emerging to you right now, and maybe something about the, the state of the world, yeah, you know, that we're in. Um, I don't know about you, but it's been very hot here. Now it's a few days that it's got a little bit cooler, uh, but it was extremely hot, um, more than usual. And I know in many other places. Um, and not only that, you know, the COVID and um, I heard in other podcasts, you speaking about that in, in different ways. And, you know, I, I guess this is something that is being asked of many people right now, but where, where do you see the world going and where do you see the, your work or this kind of work, healing arts and, and then um, ritual, where is it fitting into this current moment? For sure. Yeah, I apologize also about the background noise here, but I assume you can hear me okay. The You asked also about the Bring Out Your Dead offering before. That specific offering was a public series 
that we, you know, still available, but at the start of the pandemic, and it's a, uh, the name is a riff on Monty Python, and it's a way of being a little bit cheeky about it, otherwise uh, horrible dynamic with the pandemic, and saying, bring out, bring out your dead, the, the riff on it is that, um, bring the dead for the, for the healing that they need. Like a lot of our work focuses on how to care for the soul or the spirit of the one who's died after the death of the body. Because culturally we often fail to ancestralize or care well for the dead in soul or in spirit after they've died. And so the, the pandemic and all of the related suffering has created an even further backlog of grief and sorrow in the world and the need to know how to metabolize that to ritualize it to move through it is is really stronger than ever and it coincides with the ecological catastrophe that we're we've invoked as humans not all humans to the same degree but as a species we're doing that full stop and it it's uh, uh, impossible to overstate the severity and the the damage to the planetary ecosystem, the biological diversity that's that's hemorrhaging because of human ignorance and human confusion. There are no environmental problems. There are human behavior problems. There's no environment really. There's no nature. There's no separate thing that we are abstractly not a part of as humans. And so the illusion that there's humans and nature is itself a really hazardous and problematic binary. And so it's us in the larger community of beings whose confusion is causing these other kin, these other people who are part of our extended family network to disappear from the world through extinction and habitat loss and degradation of ecosystems and all of it. And so it's on us to fix it. And to fix it, we need to understand the roots of it. And the roots of it have a lot to do with the ways that culture has gone off track. And we've replicated this idea that we're somehow separate from the rest of life. Because when we have a, a, a different view than that, moral and ethical accountability and better policies and better choices tend to follow from that. There's a movement right now, uh, sometimes referred to as rights of nature. Uh, so the Maori people in New Zealand or folks in India with certain rivers or in South America and Bolivia with the uh, Pachamama uh, rights of Mother Earth and there are different places around the world that are foregrounding this view that legally and politically the other than human people have legal standing they're they're people they're part they're part of the constitution this mountain is a person in all the implications therein I would like to see that be a very normal view for people of any ancestry whether it's people in urban Rome or Lagos or New York City or wherever, that that's a very normal view. And our politics, our laws, our educational system starts to organize around that. It doesn't have to be religious or spiritual or esoteric. It's very adaptive.
to recognize that we're not the only person in the world with consciousness. There are many other kinds of people. Now that view, as basic as it seems to me, gets relegated uh, based on the histories of uh, racism and colonialism and, and Eurocentric arrogance, gets relegated to some kind of superstitious or less educated view. And that's, that's a really judgmental and colonialist problematic attitude. So that also is a kind of ancestral problem that needs resolved at the roots. So that's a little bit of, I mean, we're in a tough situation in the world. So we need a relational stance and the support of our elders and relationship with the earth more than ever. And, and the price of entry for that often is grieving and coming to our elders, like sobbing and being like, I'm so sorry for how we're doing this. We're, we're really doing a very bad job and it's causing a lot of suffering still. I want to know how to help. I don't want to be part of this problem anymore in the same way. I have blood on my hands. I help me to know how to do this differently, please. And so we, we, we come to our elders, the elder ancestors, the earth, the elder deities, and we ask and we, we beg them to help us to know how to be a, a, a relational ethical person. The form of it can look a thousand different ways. That's, that's style, that's personal style. <laughs> <laughs>